1: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Pellett. I'm an editor here at HowStuffWorks. Sitting next to me, as usual, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. Hey there. And uh, today we're going to talk about virtual machines. Yeah. And this is a topic
0: that uh, that a lot of people were kind of curious about we got a couple of emails about virtual machines and exactly what are they and and why use them um and it is kind of confusing you think of the word virtual it means it's it's not a physical thing it just kind of virtually exists so how is that even possible well it all has to do with special software which is fittingly called virtualization software
1: yeah um I'm guessing that this giant cardboard box that I have painted at home and says that it's a supercomputer, that's not... That doesn't count as a virtual machine in the classical sense. Okay.
0: Uh, In the three-year-old let's-play-pretend
1: sense, you you are aces. It was cranking out billions of virtual petaflops. I'm sure it was. (laughs) But for real,
0: quote-unquote, virtual machines, we're talking about special software that uh, essentially partitions a physical machine's resources in such a way that you can run multiple instances of operating systems, if you like, or applications that are completely independent of one another. There's no there's no real risk of them interfering with each other. And um, so you're using one physical machine to run multiple instances of some sort of application. Uh, that's that's the basic premise um, why is this important well it's because as the web has evolved uh, things have gotten really complicated a lot of websites run multiple services and sometimes these services need to use multiple applications um well it turns out that some applications don't work well with others and if you no. try and run multiple applications on one server you get crashes right yeah i mean so true. you don't want that to happen
1: yeah um you also might know this in another word uh you may not have known what it was uh, environment right um just imagine it as a little you know pretend world on a uh on your web browser for sure. example uh it might be java for instance,
0: right, yeah, that's a good example
1: uh java is a uh as a progla- pro uh, programming language it could be <laughs> it's very pro glam i'm sure um very david Bowie uh, yeah exactly um that was, uh, created by Sun. Uh, and, uh, basically, you, when you have Java installed on your computer and you go to a, um, a website that has Java plugged in on it, uh, might be, for example, a gaming site. You want to play a, a casual game on your, your, uh, machine and you go to that thing and all of a sudden you see this thing and it's loading inside your window. It has a little box and it's, you know, it gives you a, you might see, especially with Java, the orange Java window and it just, you know, scrolls open and then all of a sudden, Whatever it is that you're trying to do pops up. Well, that's Java running in a virtual machine inside your browser window. Right. Whatever, you know, whether you're using Windows or Linux or, uh, or Mac, there it is. You know, it's, it's a, a machine inside a machine.
0: Yeah. And you might wonder, well, why would you even worry about having a machine inside a machine in the first place? Well, ideally you would have a single server for every single application that you want to run in your service. Um, That way you can make sure that one, no two applications are going to interfere with one another. You don't have to worry about a server running two of them at the same time. Um, Two, if there's a problem, you can actually find out where the problem is very quickly because if it's a specific application going down, you know which server that belongs to. Like, well, this this is the server that runs process A. If process A is going haywire, you know to go to that particular server. But here's the problem is that if you've got tons and tons and tons of applications or you have a really large operation like, let's say, I don't know, Google. That's a good example. (laughs) Google has... Thousands of these servers. Well, if you do a single server per application in a, uh, an environment like Google, then you would need even more space, tons and tons of space and resources—physical resources like not just the storage facility, but you know your power consumption and uh, and cooling systems, things that you need to have in order to make servers run properly. Uh, but if you were to you know, look at most of these servers running applications, you would notice that the servers have become really, really powerful. And most of them are not running anywhere near capacity. Like a single application takes up only a a fraction of the server's uh, processing power. So you're not really using your physical machines to the extent that you need to. The solution is virtualization. If you can create a virtual partition within that machine so that it can run two different operating systems or even two of the same operating system. It doesn't have to be different. Um, but if it can run two of these environments at the same time, you you are maximizing that server's uh, resource use. So that way you don't have to worry about, okay, well, this server's only running at 12% capacity. The other great thing about it Is that, well, that means that suddenly you don't need all this space anymore. You can run that, that operation with, let's say a thousand servers instead of five thousand servers. You know, we are talking about huge numbers here, but the same thing applies on smaller scales. So operations that would only need five or six servers may only need two or three. Now, there, that's the, that's the broad view of this, but there are some caveats to this. Yeah. For instance, You shouldn't max out your server.
1: (laughs) No, no, that's never a good thing. You're going to overtax it, and it's going to make it work even less reliably.
0: Right. Yeah, so so while it's possible to maybe create multiple uh, virtual servers or virtual machines even on a PC, this is not just for servers. You can do it with PCs, too. Um, it, even though you could do multiple ones, you have to remember every single time you do this, you're partitioning off part of that computer's resources. Mm-hmm. So the computer as a whole has less, you know, each, each individual instance has, has only a fraction of the, the main computer's resources. Eventually you get to a point where, y- you know, you get the diminishing law of returns, you know, you're not, or law of diminishing returns, I should say. You don't, uh, you don't get, enough output to justify partitioning up the server any more than you already have
1: right and um you know that that also applies to desktop computers as yes, well i mean exactly. you can you can set up your your desktop computer to, uh, well, depending on what model you have, um, to run more than one operating system or multiple instances of an operating system. Um, you know, Mac users, especially the Intel Mac users are very familiar with this, uh, now, or at least a lot of them are, because, um, the Intel Macs can run different operating systems than just the Mac OS. They can also run Windows and they can run Linux. Um, if you are so inclined, you can, uh, install all three operating systems. Of course, you have to partition the hard drive. which you know, what Jonathan was saying before. You have to make a, a separate section for each of those. And if you're running software like, um, uh, again, Sun's, uh, virtual box or, uh, VMware's Fusion or Parallels desktop, you can actually access those other operating systems at the same time in a virtual environment right there on the desktop. And you can, you can use them at the same time. Now, of course, they're all using, uh, again, as Jonathan said, the same, uh processor at the same time and after a while it's going to overtax things but um it is possible to do and you can do this on a on a regular uh windows box too um VMware also makes a workstation which um i believe allows you to run uh different environments at the same time as well
0: sure and uh there are even businesses that have made an entire business model out of this there's one called in computing n as a name um, I went to cons- the Consumer Electronics Show this last year, 2009, and uh, I met with the uh, president of in Computing, mm-hmm. And it was a fascinating tour of the booth. It was one of those very small booths that's out of the way, something I probably never would have seen. But I, I received an email and I thought, this sounds really interesting. I'm going to take some time and go to this. And I'm really glad I did. Now, In Computing, what they've done is they found a system where you can partition up a regular PC uh, so that you can create multiple workstations that all share that one PC's resources. It's just like the old time-sharing model on supercomputers.
1: Do you have to uh, sit there and listen to a long-winded sales pitch, and you know maybe you'll get a free car? I didn't. Okay,
0: um, but then I'm pressed. Oh, that's true. So um, no, no, it was it was really a, a great uh, booth tour, but. Time sharing. for those of you who are wondering, that was a system where you had a supercomputer, it was a centralized computer, and then you had a bunch of dumb terminals, which means the terminals didn't have any real native processing power. It was just a, an access point for the user to get access to the processing power that was in the supercomputer. So you could have multiple people working on this at the same time. Now, with the supercomputer, it was a little different. It wasn't all partitioned. It was that the computer would handle each task separately in time, in sequence. So yeah, let's say Johnny says, I need this information, and then Susie says, I need this information. Well, the supercomputer would answer Johnny's first and then Susie's. But it was so fast that it seemed like it was instantaneous. Like it was all simultaneously happening at the, you know, so it seemed like the same sort of thing. Now, what in computing does is it, it partitions up PCs. Mm-hmm. Um, and depending on which series you have, like if you have uh, the X series, I think it's the 550, I think up to 11 users can be using the same PC at the same time. Now, each person has their own monitor, keyboard, mouse, that kind of thing. But they attach to a little module, which in turn attaches to the mother PC. And then if you were to get the um, the L series, did I say the L series? That was the X series. The L series is up to 30 users. On one PC, and it runs through uh, Ethernet cords. You, you connect uh, Ethernet cable to the little module, which you know, your monitor and your keyboard plug into. Connect that to the host PC. So, in computing's ideas, well, this is a good way to uh, to bring computers into schools and. In like uh, developing nations mm-hmm. where they can't necessarily afford a computer for every student, but they can afford one decent computer. And then this system, which will allow up to 30 people to access that computer's resources. Um, now, of course it can only run applications that aren't going to overtax that computer. You're not going to see a lot of call of duty being played on these terminals, but uh word processors, spreadsheets, that's gonna, that's easy.
1: So it's, it sounds like between, you know virtualization and cloud computing that we're we're we may be headed into a world where uh there is centralized processing power and centralized applications, and people are just using uh dumber and dumber terminals and and you know uh, things like netbooks that have slower processors and less RAM and basically trusting the the cloud to handle all the applications and all the the heavy lifting. Yeah. Uh, do you, do you really think that that's the way it's all going to go? Or, I mean, is this just sort of an application per application use, like the, uh, the third world education model? Wow.
0: What a great question. You really <laughs> turned it around on me there, Paulette. Um, <laughs> but no, I have an answer for this. Okay. I, this is one of my favorite topics to talk about. So of course I have an answer for this. Um, now, of course, this, this is my own personal opinion about, about how things are going. Mm-hmm. I think the economic downturn. Was the best thing that could happen to netbooks because it meant that consumers were looking at computers and they were saying, well, you know, I still need to get a computer for my, my son or my daughter who's going off to college or I, I really need a new computer, but I can't afford to buy the latest and greatest. And yeah, that new i7 processor looks amazing, but I, I just can't afford that kind of computer or, mm-hmm. or that new Mac that's $3,300. <laughs> Did you see that?
1: That came out today. Is that the one with the uh, i7 in it?
0: Yeah, Mac Pro, the Xeon. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, the Mac Pro, $3,300. Not everyone can spend that much. So they're looking at other options. Now, I think if the consumer realizes that the netbooks do not have this native processing ability and that they will really need to rely upon the cloud to get that kind of processing done, if they realize that and they're okay with that, yeah. I think this is the future. I think that Mass market in general will move to netbooks and what we would traditionally call underpowered PCs. Right. Um, you will still have niche markets that will not move to that. Um, for instance, anyone who's doing massive media uh, editing, they can't do that. You can't really port everything off to the cloud. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with gamers. I mean, gamers are going to need to have that super fast processor and that, that huge hard drive and... All of the 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 bells and whistles. So that's still going to be there. Right. Um, the question is if those markets are large enough to keep that development process going at full speed. Mm-hmm. That question, I don't know the answer to that. We're going to have to see. I'm actually kind of worried about that because it may mean that we that Moore's law suddenly doesn't apply because the the incentive to always be developing at the fastest pace possible is going to possibly go away.
1: Right. Right. But, you know, it'll all be virtual at that point. So,
0: yeah. So who will, you know, and, and there's there's actually a good point there. I mean, you're kind of smirking at me and making a joke, but that's that's a good. <laughs> no, it really is a good point, because when you think about it, the these servers that are running all the processes, they still have to be fast. Mm-hmm. So there's still a market for fast processors. It's just that that market may switch to the business end, not to the consumer end.
1: You know, it's possible, too, that
0: that may uh-